You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. My name is Christian Corley, his name is Ben Stegner, and his name is Gavin Phillips. It's all three of us together. <laughs> Yay, that's fun. Uh, so guys, how are you? Ben, how are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Just coming off of a nice uh, couple of days off for Thanksgiving, so glad to be here. It's good to have uh, the three of us together again. And Gavin, how are you, sir? Um... <laughs> Very, very well, actually. Like Ben had a nice, nice old weekend, and uh, looking forward to getting to stuck into this year's tech. Eh? Yeah, this is. Um, we're recording this in late November. You'll get this a little bit later on, towards the uh, end of the year. And this is our really useful podcast review of the year. It's a special episode. There's all three of us here for the first time in about a year, and we're here to discuss um, our highlights, our lowlights, or low points, um, best devices, and best game of 2022. Uh, it's a little bit of a diversion for us, so this is going to be quite interesting to see how this turns out. It might only be 10 minutes long. Who knows? Um, <laughs> in which case, Happy New Year, dear listener. Um, no, so... We're going to kick this off. I'm not entirely sure how we're going to uh, separate these. I think, I suppose, we should probably just do it the uh, usual way with... So 2022 has, like pretty much every other year, except those two quiet ones where nothing happened, uh, a busy year in consumer tech. So we're going to uh, start off this really useful podcast special with our highlight of the year in consumer tech and how we're going to do this is for each category each of us will offer a highlight or an example and then uh, say why it is that highlight or in the case of the next section the low light or low low points of the year um I feel as I feel slightly responsible for this format that I should maybe go first. But if I do go first, it takes away some of the drama of what I would say is the highlight of the year in consumer tech for me. So who wants to go first? Uh, I would not oh. like to go first. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't mind going first, but uh, I'm not sure if uh, mine's necessarily uh, necessarily what you would consider a highlight. Okay. It's certainly, um, maybe not a high point in the conventional sense of the term. Oh but, I'm wondering um, if we're all go- going to watch the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so on, my, my highlight is um, sort of meta, uh, sort of crashing and burning a bit. Oh, okay, that's <laughs> fine. No, you go Which, with that. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, it's, so that's what I mean. It's not in the conventional sense, like, you know, an outright highlight. But I feel in the sense of the world of tech as a whole and for what Meta has been trying to do throughout 2022. So for the listener, I'll just, you know, at the start of the year, we had all the hubbub with 
metaverse rollout and <laughs> you know closer integration with nfts and you know we were going to conduct all of our business online looking like um nintendo we i'm amazed we took it seriously i really am <laughs> you know and you think that was only a few months ago and uh since then and at the time of recording meta's um both monetary and overall stock has fallen considerably now yeah. they are not crashing and burning by any means uh facebook instagram whatsapp are still phenomenally large companies they're still raking it in but seeing uh mark zuckerberg's overall plans to force everyone into a product that was solely about advertising being pushed back quite hard against i just really enjoyed that i don't know how you guys felt but there was a real like is, is schadenfreude the right word i'm looking for here like laughing at someone else's misery or <laughs> yeah i think it is i think it is i'm um i'm so pleased you chose this because it gives us the opportunity to share that um excellent if anyone hasn't seen it you need to see it now um article on the onion uh, headlined Facebook HQ on lockdown after Mark Zuckerberg's avatar breaks out of Metaverse. Oh yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think it, what's interesting about it, I, I agree with what you said, Gavin. It's not, it's kind of weird that just six or eight or ten months ago, the whole thing was, you know, this is going to be the future and everyone's going to have meetings in the Metaverse and we're going to date in the Metaverse and all that stuff. Um, I remember when this was starting to kind of be pushed a little bit more. Um, I, I was listening to a podcast or something that wasn't techie and it was interesting to kind of think about it from a non-techie person's side too of like a like when they showed off that demo i think it was from a few years ago but that walmart demo of like how you're going to shop in the metaverse and it was like th this combines the worst of in-person shopping and online shopping like mm. there's no there's no benefit to this um and yeah i think the idea that everybody's just gonna buy these oculus or meta quest devices and just have them on their face all the time for going to the store and, and having meetings and stuff like I, that's a really hard sell. So, I mean, I, I guess they would plan to have better devices. You wouldn't have to, you know, strap on your head for hours like that, but it is kind of weird that that was like supposed to be this big thing, like the next iPhone. Yeah. It's um, I mean, I can't really say anything more about it than you guys have. It, it seemed a little bit silly and far-fetched at the time to, to see that it actually, is silly and far-fetched and that it's kind of the the bottom fallen out of it as uh gavin say uh said i agree yes uh heavy dose dose and get my german pronunciations on the wrong word there heavy dose of schadenfreude <laughs> about it um it's it's i mean it the thing is there's a heavy you know it's very emperor's new clothes there's a lot of people with sat pointing and didn't say anything or didn't say anything loudly about it when, you know, when they should have done people in respected online journals. So it's, I mean, it's not surprised that the, you know, that it's heading the way it has, but I, I think a lot of credibility has been lost on that this year um, with, 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 for some people anyway. Uh, I guess, uh, shall we move on to mine then? Sure. Yeah, go for it. Okay, my, go. I mean, mine's in a similar vein, as uh, you may have guessed. Um, my highlight of the year is Elon Musk buying Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I think it's absolutely... Do you know, right, I mean, there's a lot, it's upset a lot of people, and, you know, the, a lot of people are professionally upset about everything, so I'm not too bothered about those. Twitter was an absolute hellhole, and I'm not saying it's considerably better now, 
but it feels like people with a direction of western values are in charge of twitter you know it's I mean, it's it's a huge thing that has a big profile but at the same time isn't doesn't isn't really representative of everything that's happening in the world so I, i'm very careful not to overstate this it, but it was a mess and certain things have happened since then which i'm not particularly enthused about but one thing that has happened which i've um, checked on uh, th- through a couple of uh, um, different references and i'm reliably informed that uh, the majority of um, child pornography has been removed from twitter now that's kind of an that's, important thing yeah i mean like as a very base level of what we should deem acceptable <clears throat> excuse me well, however you view politics removing filth like that from a public platform yeah. is you know an overall win for society as a whole yeah i'm, um, I'm sure there's a long way still to go on that but it just it oh, fit, for sure it was treading water you know and a lot of people were getting their way at the expense of other people i didn't feel like it was a um it didn't feel like it was a balanced platform for expression and opinion on whereas now it feels more balanced i'm pretty sure i'm right in that because a lot of the people who are getting their own way before are now losing their shit on twitter excuse my phraseology there dear listener and uh, getting a bit frustrated that they have to listen to opinions that they don't like and i think i mean i come from uh, a place where you need to listen to opinions that you don't like because you might actually learn something and i've learned plenty of um of the years from having balanced and interesting debates not always um balanced i suppose sometimes they're more one-sided than others but i think that's how it works that's how we learn about things and just having an echo your own echo chamber i I take great care in making sure i follow a a wide selection of people from across the political spectrum for example and often i don't agree with the majority of them but it's important to have voices rather than having an echo chamber and i think twitter is very much a case of you have an echo chamber and that's you know it's you know the feedback loop and all that i'm not saying elon musk can get rid of that because obviously you know there's a lot of things um Twitter's a big, complicated thing, and a lot of people are still going to retain their little echo chambers and their block lists and their special word lists, and you know, and their list is lists still a thing on Twitter. I don't know, but it does feel like it's been a change for the better overall to me. I think it's still pretty early to see. I mean, I think there's been some small things, like you said, that I agree with, and I like the idea of kind of leveling the playing field and getting rid of the echo chamber like that. But um, I, I actually, I was going to bring up something specific about Twitter for my low point, which is probably just recency bias, but I do think it was one of the most bizarre, like, how did this happen things um, in recent tech memory. So I'll save that for the next section. Okay. Anything you want, yeah. Gavin? Um, not entirely. I know uh, we sort of, touched on this in a, in a, in a previous podcast, Christian, um, only kind of, I guess it's the same as Ben said, I think there's a long way to go, uh, with how Elon is going to shape it. I'm not a hundred percent sure that throwing out, um, ideas in the way that Elon Musk does and then rowing back on them <laughs> and changing things every 10 minutes and, not even like ruling by committee, sort of ruling by the votes on his timeline. And I'm guessing he's one of the most followed accounts on Twitter. That would make sense. But if a large proportion of his issue with Twitter was the bots and stuff like that, I would say 
he's got a long way to go. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, yes. And 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 if he is making decisions using that method, which you've seen him do several times since taking over, mm-hmm. he's using bots to inform his decisions on a platform he bought to get rid of the bots, which I think, <laughs> I mean, for me, that's idiotic. Um, but I'm not the world's richest man, and I probably never will be. So, so what would you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What would I know? I'm a, I'm a blooming peasant in Cornwall, in England. We don't even have gas heating in our house. God, <laughs> that, that's a good point, though. That, that like polls specifically are definitely like really ripe to abuse from bots. Because I was going to say you're right about that. Like, I on the one hand, it's kind of it's interesting to see someone that high ups thought process of just like kicking around ideas and being open to it on one level. But then at the same time, you're right that like, you can't like, you can't have every discussion you have at a high level about making changes like public. And then just like you said, introduce stuff and then roll it back 15 minutes later. Like Mm. that's just a mess. Like someone took a screenshot of two tweets from Twitter support where the first one said, um, we're not going to use an official badge for, accounts that have proven to be from a brand or whatever. And then like eight hours later it was, we're rolling out an official badge for accounts. Mm. that (laughs) Like I get if it's like two weeks later and like the first try didn't work and now you're changing it. But like, that's like whiplash when it's happening. Yeah. Well, this is it. And part of this as well, I know we don't want to spend heaps of time on this, but it seems like in the cull of Twitter employees, and I, completely think there probably did need to be a big cull because the employment numbers you heard did sound bonkers. Insane. But besides that point, it seems like the notion of A-B testing has disappeared and on a platform as big as Twitter, and although Twitter isn't as big as Facebook, say, anything like that, it's, it's in the order of magnitude in terms of user numbers. We're talking hundreds of millions to billions here. The accounts on Twitter are way more important than accounts on Facebook and stuff like that. Yet you see way more stringent testing on ideas, uh, changes and stuff like that on things like Facebook when, you know, those accounts actually overall have less value, if you see what I mean. Yeah, Yeah, I get what you mean. Facebook does that pretty often. I mean, when we write articles, there's always that like, hey, are you seeing this? Like this, this is rolling out over like months and months. Whereas Twitter is more, hey, there's a change. Everybody gets it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Ben, let's move on quickly to your um, high point of the year then. Yeah. So I was thinking a little bit about uh, the overall theme of the year and something I kind of liked across the whole year. And um, I my pick is actually uh, improvements in the uh, right to repair movement cool. or whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Um, oh, nice. I, I looked it up and actually I think Apple um, – announced their self-service program at the end of last year, but it actually became available in the U.S. this year. Um, so those, the, so the two biggest highlights are um, in April of this year, Apple um, launched its self-service repair store in the U.S. Um, I think it's coming to Europe either late, late, late this year or sometime next year. Um, and then in August, they, they expanded it to some MacBooks as well as the iPhone. Um, a couple of states in the U.S. also passed legislation um, that would require shops to provide tools to repair some equipment, not not just tech, but um, some other things like that. Um, Google announced a program for fixing Pixel phones, and then the EU also took some steps uh, over in Europe on the same thing. So uh, this actually wasn't something I was really plugged into at all um, until I really started writing for the site, and then a couple of folks at the site um, are really passionate about it, and it kind of opened my eyes to, to this Um I'm not too good with my hands myself, so I haven't taken too many advantage uh, to advantage of this too much. 
but I do think it's a really important thing as tech becomes more expensive and, you know, a good way to actually get more life out of a device than just, you know, buy it, use it and throw it away or whatever. So um, it's nice to see steps in this direction this year. Yeah, that's a really good choice, Ben. Uh, I feel slightly guilty that mine wasn't that good. <laughs> Okay, so we'll flip it around now. The low point of the year in tech for the really useful podcast team. And I suppose we really need to keep things kind of square so they're in order each way around. That wasn't code for I'm a Freemason, by the way. Just (laughs) underline that there. Um, (laughs) Gavin, you're going first. Ah, thank you. Um, I guess the low point of the year for me on a personal level has been the ongoing turmoil in the world of crypto. Um, I don't know how much that's affected you guys, if at all. Um, I was hoping you were going to say how much is that Dogecoin in the window then? Yeah, how much is that Dogecoin in the window? Yeah, I I can see that. (laughs) Crypto for me, I haven't. I've like very loosely followed it from afar and I I see things that you guys talk about in Slack, but I'm, I'm definitely not super involved in the world of it. Kind of watching from afar with caution i suppose absolutely so the crypto winter the so-called crypto winter has been ongoing now for basically all of 2022 winter's coming (laughs) um yeah winter is oh i think winter's here i think we're like deep in the permafrost at this point um (laughs) and bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies have not done very well at all there's been there have been some good points so uh, I'll point to like the Ethereum 2.0 merge where Ethereum switched from being an energy guzzling cryptocurrency to one that uses barely energy at all. So, you know, in a bad year for crypto, that was a really good point. But I think anybody involved in crypto uh, has, has probably not had a very good year. Uh, and as a, someone who writes and uses crypto, uh, I, I am one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I have a tiny amount of crypto myself. And I think we, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, Gavin. Uh, over the past couple of years, and I think probably the lockdowns have something to do with this as well, uh, kind of just everybody has been able to get into crypto i recalled a uh like i recounted the fact that my wife's uh uncle bought crypto and he's like the most tech averse person that you can think of aside from using a mobile phone for his taxi business um and he he bought uh a decent amount of litecoin um i haven't spoken to him about it uh over the past few months so i don't know how he's feeling about things whether he's still got them whether he's flogged them for the pennies that they're now worth i, I really don't know but uh, I, I think that that that's um the, the peak during the the lockdown years and the opportunity for just people to have spare money lying around because they weren't able yeah. to go anywhere. They had all this disposable income that needed to be disposed of. Um, crypto <laughs> was an excellent outlet for them. And I I mean, I guess there's a bit of a thrill to be gained from buying the crypto coin. So maybe it wasn't completely a worthless act, but uh, it's, it, I mean, it's affected far more people than it would have done two or three years ago, hasn't it? Yeah, right. Yeah, I really think it has. And um, recent events in the world of cryptocurrency. So there's been two big exchanges that have gone bankrupt and taken, you know, billions upon billions of dollars of investor money with them. And because of the nature of crypto, because it is unregulated, uh, I mean, that's what draws so many people to it. But it's also 
you know, it, it just, it ruins people's lives, I think. And like, I'm not, my, my life is absolutely fine. You know, you always follow the adage, do not invest more than you can afford to lose. Sure. But sometimes people, I don't think, realize quite how much they stand to lose yeah. from when they go in with their investments, um, particularly things like you were saying during lockdown. You know, if you invested at 60,000 in Bitcoin and it went down to Ooh. 16, which is at the moment, yeah. I mean, that's that's more than a hit that most people can possibly take, you know, especially if you invested a real whack of money into it, you know. So, um, yeah, crypto sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's been exciting though, right? And it's not it's a lot more exciting than normal investing. Yeah, I guess if like the edge of your pants, like <laughs> constant adrenaline. <laughs> I suppose the it's had... being at the casino all year long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's probably had a kind of a positive side to it, maybe. In I mean, depending on, you know, what your exposure is to um, not in a bad way, just, you know, your exposure and understanding of um, stocks and shares, it might have got people more interested in actually investing their money uh, wisely um, rather than just uh, throwing it at things. So I don't know. That's, That's true, yeah. yeah. Somebody could have wanted to jump on the bandwagon and then when they see that crypto is volatile and has all these problems that yeah. Gavin's talking yeah, exactly. about, maybe they think, yeah. well, I like the idea, but let's go to something a little more yeah. stable with less risk. Exactly. I know eToro became more popular and I use an app called Free Trade, although, you know, we talk about £30. I have my, my real investments are elsewhere. Um, so I'm going to move on to my uh, low point of the year. And it's kind of a low point that hasn't happened yet, I suppose, in some ways. The crypto low point could continue going low. Um, mine is the uh, Activision and Microsoft merger slash buyout. I think it's in... And I know it is in trouble at the moment, but the whole idea of it just absolutely blows my mind that it would even be considered to be something that they could actually get through regulators. I think it's an absolute disgrace that it should be taking place at all microsoft should not have that chunk of the gaming market to itself regardless of how they plan to you know issue uh, playstation games and other platform games or otherwise it's just not something that should be considered I, I, it's it's almost like the meta thing because it's on paper it's like you can't do that it's insane what are you playing at it doesn't make any sense you it's it's just and it also the other thing about it is it it uh, recalls the old uh, the, the 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 memorable old adage of uh, Bill Gates buying people out, um, and then stealing their technology. Now that's clearly not going to happen with Activision Blizzard, but I do I am obvi obviously minded of the uh, famous uh, Simpsons episode where Homer <laughs> sets up his own internet company and then Bill Gates comes out to buy him out. <laughs> Hypercomputer yeah. global mega net. <laughs> <laughs> It, it Sorry, does. I've seen that's okay. I've seen like snippets of just arguments that the companies have been making over this on Twitter. I haven't followed it super closely, but I saw that they uh, Bayonetta three recently came out on Switch, and Sony like used that as an example of saying like Nintendo wasn't a family friendly company. Like I think they're trying to make it sound like that other companies are more like them, so that there's like more room for the buyout or something. Like their their arguments are very sketchy to put yeah. it nicely of like why hey this is fine this is why we should do this yeah i mean activision blizzard is already a massive like think about yeah call of duty diablo overwatch uh 
Candy Crush. Like that's all under their umbrella now. Like that's that's enough, I would say, when you add in. Well, that's Xbox the other side and- of it. They've been buying up IPs for years, Activision and um, Activision Blizzard. So for them to then get swallowed up by Microsoft, that's not good. It's also bad for retro gaming as well, I think. I mean, I've watched YouTube videos from uh, just smaller independent creators, and they've talked about with this whole thing, you know, Call of Duty maybe only being on Xbox and all the fight over that and that kind of thing. But there's there's a lot of implications for it too. Like you said, um, like how I, I believe that when, when Bethesda um, or Zenimax, Bethesda's owners were bought by Microsoft. It was the same kind of thing yeah. where, you know, future Bethesda games are going to be exclusive to Xbox, at least at first. So what that could mean for retro, you know, to maybe they pull digital retro games off of the PlayStation storefronts or that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it is nice when there's more, you know, more competition with, with, with consoles. It hasn't really been a thing for a while because all the new ones have kind of failed. Um, but yeah, it's... Yeah, I mean, Activision is more or less as old as Microsoft, so it, it has a huge history of um, developing computer games, IP games. Um, I've, I mean, there's Activision games in the room with me now. I can't actually see them because they're in a box, and I'm not going to rack it about. So I think the old Ghostbusters game on the C64 on the Spectrum. I think that was Activision. They've they've been in the game a long, long time. There's a so there's there's a huge implications for this beyond like the, you know the the big chunk of you know this huge kind of um, industry chunk that they currently control but it goes beyond that it goes back decades so it's really really concerning that that should all end up under microsoft very worrying so that's my low point ben what's yours well i, I have a couple that are all small if that's okay so okay um my per my personal low point for the year which is this is a very small anecdotal story is uh building a pc in february when graphics card prices were still insane <sighs> thinking oh they'll always be you know they're still gonna be nuts so i paid like twice what my graphics card was worth and then like three months later it was down to regular price so uh live and learn i guess i it was it was it had been long enough to where i thought it's it's gonna be up this high for years so i just figured whatever um but you know it is what it is i use my computer every day so it's still worth the money um I was going to, the one I alluded to earlier is the the whole uh, open verification on Twitter thing. I know that's kind of a minor thing. And you guys both talked about like wider things for the year, but um, I, I just have no idea what they were thinking uh, mm. with that open verification on Twitter where you weren't, wasn't even verifying that you were who you say you are. It's just pay the money and get the check. And then, yeah. you know, you had people tweeting like, pretending to be an insulin company and saying, Hey, we're going to give insulin out for free now. And then their stock dropped like a billion dollars the next day. But he thought it was actually the company. Like I, it, yeah. it reminded, it reminded me of like that scam on Twitter a couple of years ago where they hijacked like internal tools and then like verified, like legitimate verified accounts, like the Apple account, Barack Obama's account, were tweeting out uh, Bitcoin, like pay me and I'll pay you back scams. Like I feel oh, like I one of the worst mm. Twitter scams since then. And just like the, cause it looks real. Like if you're not paying attention, you're not going to see that there's like an I instead of an L yeah. in, in the Twitter handle or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I guess my third small one to round up is uh stadia finally running out of gas. Yes. Um, that, that's of not really course. a full, that's not really a full one, I guess, because it kind of started years ago. So it's the the, 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 the stunning conclusion of Stadia just being done. Yeah. Is, well, it uh, finally closes kind of, kind in January and uh, they've started, I quote unquote, processing uh, refunds. And I've had emails saying that my refunds have been processed, but I haven't actually had the money yet. So 
Uh, I, uh, that is really nice to see. I mean, I'm glad that could that could thanks. very easily be like. I haven't seen the money yet. No, I mean, the, oh, it's nice no, to no, see. No, no, no. I sorry. That's not the fact that the Ben Stegner. The fact that they're I issuing know. refunds. Yeah, yeah, I don't want you to have any money back. The fact that they are issuing refunds, like they yes. could very easily just say, yeah. you know, you're out of luck. Like you enjoyed the games for X years or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. that that is nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure yeah. that's a logical nightmare I, or logistical to try to. I think even for a company of. Um, Google size and stature to turn around and do that would have, I don't know. I mean, what would anybody have done anyway if they had just said, nope, sorry, goodbye. But uh, like you said, it is good to see them at least honoring and refunding where where possible. Uh, hopefully we get an update about your refund come the uh, 2023 roundup, Christian. Let's hope so, yes. They, um, what would be nice as well is if they would issue a kind of a firmware update for the controllers as well to unlock the Bluetooth, uh, which is apparently built into them but disabled so that they can be uh, connected to uh, PCs wirelessly and other game consoles. I think as well, before we move on as well, a low point of the year. I did toy around with this, but I'm not entirely sure whether it's a low point. That I mean, it is a low, and that's the, the um, availability of the Raspberry Pi. Um, I was just oh, okay, writing yeah. about it earlier today. Um, it's it hasn't got any better. It's more likely that there'll be a Raspberry Pi five around before there's an affordable Raspberry Pi four uh, again. And the um, the whole the whole situation with that and supply chain logistics and uh, availability and you know I can understand them prioritizing educational establishments uh, because that's what it was for and the compute modules being prioritized for industry and iot uh, applications i can understand that entirely it's just a shame that even the raspberry pi zero to w which came out last year was about 25 to 30 pounds roughly the same in dollars 40 50 dollars it's now 110 dollars oh my whoa and that's just a tiny little half size raspberry pi so it's, it's it is it is a bit insane with that. Okay. It's the next bit. It's the best device bit of the show. The, what is the best device of 2022 that you have used? Gavin Phillips. Um, I'm actually going to go for the Nothing Phone 1, which I... Wasn't sure if I was going to uh, when you sent through our list of what we were going to talk about, but I've sat and looked at a few things I've had and owned and uh, reviewed and played with throughout the year. Uh -huh. And um, it's, it's become like my go-to phone over the OnePlus Nord that I have. I use it all the time. Um, I've got really into the sort of, uh, it's got the, the light-up glyphs on the back, which are... I guess fairly pointless, <laughs> but they're kind of cool at the same time. Uh, and, you know, your phone rings or it lights up in a specific way and, you know, if you got a, a message or, or whoever tried to call you or whatever. And uh, nothing adding more functionality to it all of the time and getting better integration and, and adding small upgrades to it. Um, I don't think I would normally ever choose a smartphone either because I find smartphone tech just it's really hard to make really big leaps and bounds in the world of smartphones and i'm not particularly wowed by folding phones either mm. uh, the ones that i have seen and used 
I'm fairly ambivalent towards. It's it's interesting, but it's not anything I really care a great deal about, especially at this early phase. But whilst the Nothing Foam one didn't really push any areas massively it was cool to see another new smartphone manufacturer coming to market making a pretty decent mid-range phone that retailed three hundred dollars maybe four hundred dollars um and could compete with quite a lot of of other phones yeah so that's that's my um my pick of the year oh the only downside i would say and the thing that will continually hold it back is that it's still not available in the US. It doesn't work on US uh, networks. Or maybe it does at this point, but I think you maybe have to hack some stuff to get it going. Uh, and certainly at launch back in the middle of 2022, it categorically didn't work. So for a phone that wants to take on all of the big tech companies, for it to not work in one of the most important tech markets in the world is yeah. a bit a bit silly, a bit silly, really. But yeah, so that's my yeah, pick. I- I, uh, when it came out, I thought the idea was interesting. Like I saw the the headlines on it and I, I kind of wanted to, like, I, I would like to check it out in, you know, a Best Buy or something, but yeah, I haven't seen it here for, for the reason you mentioned. Um, can you customize those lights on the back? Like, gr- like green light for text, blue light for telegram or whatever. You can't, unfortunately. They're all white LEDs, but I have okay. seen on uh, on like a nothing forum on Discord or whatever, uh, people who buy color strips and put them over the top <laughs> to give themselves colored LEDs. Uh, that's not for me. It is one way to do it. It's not for me personally. I think it looks a bit tacky, but... Um, yeah, if you want to do that, then by, by all means, go for it. Like uh, my favorite case manufacturer, Spigen or Spigen, however you say it, S-P-I-G-E-N, just released a case for the Nothing Phone 1 as well, um, which is great because they make, I mean, we don't do sponsorship deals on the, on the really useful podcast, but they make incredibly good cases. Um, so it just means I'm going to use it even more. I agree. I like their cases. I've been not sponsored or anything. Just, I just, I agree. Um, been using them for years like that. I like it like a thin case that is going to protect it, but it's not like a, you know, drop it from 20 stories kind of like massive otter box case. Um, yeah. So I like those too. And, I, and it's great that it's a nice mid range phone too. Cause I, I, as I've talked about before on the show, I was a big fan of the Nexus phones for years. I thought they did a really yes. good job of having near flagship specs at like a mid-range price. Like it didn't feel like you were using a just so-so phone. Um, so I was really happy with those. So it's nice to have that kind of phone that goes for the pure Android, like no no frills, just a solid device for the price. So that, that sounds great to me. Right. Um, well, I mean, I was going to do a phone. Oh, um, so I'm sorry, I've, I've stolen your thunder. Yeah, I feel like my thunder has been stolen somewhat. However, there is a. Uh, um, no, I can't. <laughs> I'm going to have to do a phone because the, the, my alternative came out at the end of last year. So I'm doing a phone. I was going to do the EverKVS, but it did come out in December last year. So uh, my phone, my best piece of tech of the year. Now listen, I would I, the fact that I've gone for phone is amazing. Uh, as I was um, I was speaking to Ben uh, before we started recording, I uh, was digging up some old photos. I accidentally dug up some old photos uh, from older phones. What I didn't mention, uh, this was on my OneDrive, what I didn't mention, Ben, is that these were mostly taken on Microsoft Lumia, uh, Windows phone uh, on a Windows 10 mobile device. And... 
I was really, I really loved those phones. They had beautiful cameras. They were quick, slick, easy to use. They were nice. It was just a nice experience using them. And I probably, aside from a couple of uh, Sonys in the interim, I haven't really had a great experience with phones until I was asked to review the Oppo Reno 8 Pro uh, during the summer of 2022. And this phone... I, I mean, it was one of my highest ever rating on review on Make Use Of. I gave it a nine. And I didn't do that for fun. Uh, it's really such a good phone. I love it. I've never wanted to be with without it. It's, it, it's light. It's slim. Although it has a little bulged area for the uh, camera and sensor. It has a mirrored reverse. So that makes taking selfies easy. It has a uh, thumbprint reader. It's fast. It's unfortunately is probably um, very difficult to get hold of in the United States and indeed in the uh, UK as well as Oppo seems to be a uh, um, mobile company non grata in a lot of uh, territories. And I, you know, I did have my reservations because uh, I do have a general anti Chinese phone stance. Um, I'm, I, I realise that that's slightly controversial these days, um, but that's just you know it's 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 a privacy thing. So, and yet this is such a good phone, and it takes amazing photos. It has a uh, fifty megapixel rear camera and a thirty-two megapixel front camera. It's running Android twelve, and although it has a thing called Color OS, which is uh, Oppo's own uh, take. On Android, it's more or less the same as the uh, mainline Android, though. It's very few differences. Um, it's this model has twelve gigabytes of storage. It charges to fifty percent in eleven minutes. It's just, it's superb. It really is such a good phone, and it has two hundred fifty-six gigabytes of storage built in, um, which is just as well because it does not have a slot for a memory card. I think I'm right in saying, but it does have a. USB Type C slot for uh, charging, and uh, the uh, and you know the usual uh, USB OTG. It's such a good phone. I can't. I would recommend it to anyone. It is the best phone I've had in a very long time, indeed, and that is why it is my choice for the uh, best device of twenty twenty two. Is that fingerprint scanner built into the screen? I yes, used it a phone is. That has yes. that feature. Okay, it is. Yes, does that work pretty well? It's amazingly how well it works. I've got it set up for everything almost. Um, okay. it, occasionally, it doesn't get it the first time, but it nearly always gets it the second time. So okay, I've uh, never used a, a, a OnePlus phone uh, when I was looking at moving away from the Nexus phones. I want to say it was years ago when I was looking at getting a new phone at the time. I think that was when forget what OnePlus phone it was, but it looked pretty solid and I was kind of going back and forth and I ended up not getting it. So I've heard good things about them though. Um, is that like a, a, a like a mid-range phone or is it more like a flagship? This is an Oppo. They're not OnePlus, are they? Yeah, they're OnePlus owned is... by the same are company. They? Right, a big part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they're, they're, not, they're not one and the same, but they are owned by the same parent company and they have... Right. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the, the uh, Renaway... Pro is around, I think, seven hundred dollars or so. Okay. So that's and that's mid range, isn't it? Because like top of the range would be like twelve hundred ish. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's, it's, or, yeah. I, I I mean in terms of the camera alone and the display, it's top quality specs for me. It um I th I think it's um we qualified it as being sort of a mid range based on the benchmarking. Uh, it came in okay, okay. uh around the same place as Motorola Edge S thirty. 
and uh, show me Redmi K40 and a show me Civi. So um, it's the top end of mid-range. It's, it's such a good phone. I'm so pleased with it. And I, I have no faults over it at all, which is very new. I can always find a fault in something. I've never found a fault with this at all. I just so pleased with it recommended um ben nice what's yours yeah so i didn't really get um any too many new devices this year so it's a little hard for me to recommend something from 2022 um my kind of stand-in pick if you will is i just actually got a pair of uh airpod pro second generation uh, a couple weeks ago and for like a black friday deal and so far i am quite happy with them it's one of those things where i've only had like cheap earbuds before um so i didn't realize not really how good uh. it is, just like the little the little features um like i've had a like 30 dollar pair of earbuds i've had good headphones and good speakers but never just wireless earbuds um so my favorite feature that's really nice is the toggle between noise cancellation and what they call transparency so noise cancellation is obvious but the transparency mode is like it uses the microphone to play the sound more clearly around you um so like if you're you, you want to block out the sound of the world but then you need to hear something for a bit you can put the transparency on to, sw- to switch so you can hear what's going on around you and vice versa um and there's also a mode to like automatically filter out super loud sounds when you have transparency on so i wouldn't use it as like you know, hearing protection while you're mowing the lawn or whatever. But mm-hmm. if there was like a super loud sound that would hurt your ears, it would like filter that out. So um, I haven't used them a ton, a ton yet, but I'm, I'm definitely happy with them uh, early on. Um, so also my like, kind of secondary pick, um, I got an LG C1 uh, 4K OLED TV last like November for Black Friday. And I've loved that TV. I was like going back and forth on whether I wanted to spend it because it was more expensive or just get like a, a middle or range TV. And I, this TV like is amazing. Like the picture is insane. It's 120 Hertz, which is really nice for PS five games that are supporting that. Now um, I love the OS is so much better than my old um, Samsung TV that I had before that was always clunky. So I'm super happy with that TV as well. So I've enjoyed that this year, even though I bought it last year. You know, we can't yeah, include nice. that. If we can't include the Evercade VS, we can't include that. TV. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, so that's why I threw it into the end there. That was... So uh, Ben, um, how do yes. you find the uh, fit of the AirPods versus uh, like a like a traditional silicon tip earbud? If you've been using those before, have you noticed much difference? Yeah, I so the the AirPods include like five different tip sizes to put in your ear, and I the the first ones are the ones that I use, and they were fine. Um, my other one, I think they were Boltune, was the brand of the other ones I've used, and they they like push in my ear okay. But then if I like like if I laugh at something in a podcast, or if I like open my mouth or tilt my head too far one way, they like want to pop out. I mean, they don't like drop out of my ear, but they like come out Mm. to the point where like the sound is hard to hear. Um, So yeah, these AirPods, I mean, they're not, you know, not perfect yet, but I uh, I haven't tried the other tip sizes yet, but the default feel way better. Like they just kind of rest in your ear and they don't want to like be pushed out as soon as I like laugh or open my mouth or whatever. So yeah, so, so far a lot better. Um, I'll I'll see how I feel about like extended wearing of them because sometimes after I wear certain kinds of earbuds for a while it's just want to get them out they're kind of irritating but yeah you get the the, uh like ear fatigue despite it feeling comfy for for an hour after two it's like no out now (laughs) i I had that with um these hyper headphones that i've had for years actually just recommended somebody in our slack asked for 
uh, a good mid-range pair of gaming headphones. And I've had these for years and I had that same problem with the initial ear cups. Um, it's hard to explain it, it. It hurt my head in the sense of like, when I had them on, I didn't feel anything. But then when I took them off, it was like, it felt like the bones in my face hurt. I don't know if that makes sense. Kind of that same way you get with like the ear fatigue where your ears just like tired and hurts, like not hurt like someone punched you, but just like that. Mm. It's hard to explain, but like I a dull eye. Out. Yeah. Kind of like that. Like, 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 like a, yeah, like a toothache, but like in your, mm-hmm. like in your ear bone, I guess. Yeah. No, I get, I get what you mean because um, I review lots of different headphones and earbuds uh, for make use of. And, you can tell, like, well, I can tell, sorry, quite quickly these days, which headphones are going to start hurting quite quickly. Uh, and I've got a pair that I was sent maybe four months ago now, which is very bad on my behalf. But whenever I put them on, they start hurting within 20 minutes. So I can't wear them effectively long enough to review their audio quality properly. So they're just sort of sitting there on my desk uh, gathering dust. Uh, but that is besides the point. And uh, it's good to hear that the, the earbuds are fit really well. That's good to hear. Good. That brings us to the... I nearly said that point in the show where we do our recommendations then, but no, not this time. It brings us <laughs> to our final category of our 2022 review of the year, the best video game. Now, I'm going to let Gavin go here first because that's how we've done this. But um, I've now got nothing to add. No, go for it, Gavin. What's your favourite game? What's your best? Well, I don't have... Ah, no. Ha-ha. <laughs> Oh. everything has been new in 2022 so we've got to stick to that haven't we and i know that's difficult well, with games. Yeah. i've managed it and i play a lot of old games so i'm pretty confident you guys can manage it as well so gavin what have you got I, yeah well uh I've, got, I've talked about this in a previous podcast as well but i'm going with it again because i just love it uh and it's vampire survivors oh i saw um, that mentioned in, uh, earlier today yes yeah, it's it's such a great game. It's so ridiculously cheap for the amount of gameplay you get. Uh, I don't know how many hours I've got on it on Steam now, but I think I paid six pounds, which I guess is like nine dollars or something. Um, it's not in early access anymore, but they're still adding heaps of content to the core game. Uh, and it's basically it's a top-down game. You control a character, you move around the screen, uh, it fills up with um, with uh, baddies. You've got to go through, you've got to you know take them all down, you get power-ups and all this sort of stuff. You earn coins, which you can then use to unlock additional power-ups uh, from the main menu. Uh, and, you know, it's a cycle of building up the powers. You also unlock different levels that grant you different skills as well and within those levels you can earn like permanent power-ups and stuff Mm -hmm. so it's like a it's a game of like feedback loops basically um but despite its seemingly simple sound it's really really good fun um and you can go for like a half an hour session um, play through it and you're done or you could go for an hour and you could play through a couple of levels um, and what I like most about it I think uh, specifically is in the evening time perhaps you don't want to dedicate your entire time to 
getting really focused into one game. You want to maybe play a game and watch something or listen to something, mm-hmm. you know, a bit, bit of multimedia going on. And I find uh, Vampires uh, works, Vampire Survivor, sorry, works really well with that. Like if you've got a dual screen setup, especially, you could have it on one screen. You like look across to the other one, you move it around, you're still hearing and listening and engaging. And um, yeah, it's just a really good sort of, it's casual enough that you can dip in and out of it, but if you wanted to spend several hours getting really stuck into it, you could do that as well, which I think makes for a really good game. Um, and like I said, especially at that price point. Sounds excellent. And how much is it? Six pound? Seven dollars? Uh, I think five, it was five dollars on Steam right now. Well, not, not on the sale, but yeah, it's five dollars normally. It looks like. Well, that's excellent. There you go. So five dollars on Steam. So that'd be even cheaper in the UK. More expensive. I can't remember which way around it is, but anyway, it's extremely cheap for the how much gameplay you get. It really is. Yeah, that's superb. That really is great value. Okay, mine. I mean, mine is. I'm. I'm. I regret to say, a little bit obvious. Really, it's not as uh, inventive or interesting as Gavin's, um, but I do think it's the best uh, game of 2022, and certainly the best game I've best new game I played in 2022 that wasn't previously released in any form before that. Although. Some people might say it was. It's Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, on uh, the Nintendo Switch specifically. Okay. It is... It, it Everything that was wrong with the old Star Wars Lego games, Lego Star Wars games, it fixes. And you've got this huge open world. You've got all the adventures to carry on with, all the little side quests. You've got the comedy bits, which feel like they've been pulled straight out. I don't know if it's the same writers. I should look it up. But it, it feels very much a part of that same universe as the Lego Star Wars cartoon series. Um, it's just, it, it's great. It's really good. It's fun. It's a good uh, multiplayer game for uh, just exploring. I play it alongside uh, Bruce, my eldest, uh, from time to time when he's playing it. Uh, usually when he's not. He's, he, um, he, he spends a lot of time playing... Um, the first Batman Arkham game on his Wii. Arkham Wii Asylum. Yeah, on his Wii U because he got stuck and he's gone back. He's basically restarted the game because he he reckons there's something he didn't do that he was supposed to do in order to unlock the next stage, which is getting into Mr. Freeze's lair or something. I haven't played the game myself, so I'm not too uh, certain of the details. So uh, he's been doing that a lot lately rather than playing on the Switch. I've been playing on the Switch mostly. I'm playing retro games mostly on the Switch. But uh, when he's been interested in playing on the Switch, this is what we've been playing together. We've had it's just a fun explorer, typical Lego game. It's you know the same developers as all the previous Lego games, uh, Traveller's Tales. But it's just um, it's just good. It's worth playing, and uh, yeah, fun. That's what you want from a game, isn't it? Yeah. If it's not fun, why bother? Exactly. As a wise man once said. Exactly. So Ben. Yeah. So my top game of the year. Um, as you said earlier, like I, I actually tend to like kind of put games on my wish list, and then when they drop in sale, I play them later. So I don't always play games the year they came out either. But this one, I'm thankful that I did. And I think I mentioned it on a show before, but it's definitely worth repeating. Is uh, Tunic that came out on? Uh, it was on Xbox and originally, and I think it's on every system now. Um, Tunic is. I would describe it as kind of like a, if you want to describe it as a comparison, it's sort of a Zelda type game. It's like an isometric top down adventure. Okay. Um, But it harkens back to the days of yore when you would just pop a game into your system and play it and not know what was going on. So the crux of what makes Tunic really, really cool is that there's an in-game instruction manual 
but most of it is written in like a made up language that you obviously don't know. So as you play, you pick up pieces of the instruction manual that teach you everything from the basic controls to like tips and tricks to the map and that sort of thing. So the game is built around recovering pieces of the manual and then you'll learn more about the game. Like you might not realize, Oh, if I press these two buttons together, there's like a different move I can do that kind of thing. Um, so the gameplay is kind of like, I guess Dark Souls like that's kind of a, that's a tired comparison, but it is like difficult bosses and things like that. Um, and when you die, you have to get back to your ghost and pick up your money, sort of thing. But aside from the combat, too, the game is also very like puzzle based, and you might not even realize it at first, but especially after you beat like the final boss, there's a lot of secrets to uncover, and there's so much stuff in the manual where you don't even realize it's a hint to a puzzle. But it's that like eureka moment when you realize, oh, they're they're hinting me towards this. Um, so it's just a really special game. I think it's really great to have a game that like harkens back to the old days of instruction manuals while modernizing it. Um, it's if you love mystery and a good action, it's it, and it's a good soundtrack too. It's a really really special game. Uh, honorable mentions include Roller Drome, which is a really great uh, action game where you're on roller. It's like Tony Hawk's on roller blades, but you have to shoot guys to survive. Um, it's like oh man, style. I totally forgot about Roller Drome, and I, I feel bad about that because one of my best friends was one of the developers on it. Oh and, no. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, well, um, well, Vampire Survivors wins out, I'm afraid. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> but I totally agree with Ben's honorable mention there. It's an awesome game if you get the chance to play it. It's really fun. Speaking of which, did you see that Game Maker's Toolkit, um, the YouTube channel, did a video about that? Yeah, absolutely. Kevin? They they were thrilled with the, the response from that. It was really cool. It was really cool. It made me happy, too. I just watched that. Um, also, I'm Overwatch 2. I, it's basically a, like a 1.1 update, but Overwatch is like my most played game and multiplayer game. So that coming out this year um, made me happy as well. And also the Cuphead DLC, uh, the Delicious Last Chorus, was excellent as well. Um, I also really want to play Neon White. That was a game I heard, got, heard a lot of good things about this year, but haven't played yet. So that'll be on my my short list for next year. Okay, well, if we're doing honorable mentions, I should probably give Dolph Romantic a mention, which I'm pretty sure I recommended back when it came out in the spring of 2022. It's a game for PC, although I believe it's also available on some <laughs> consoles as well. And it's a, yeah, it's on the Switch. It is a city building puzzle video game in which players need to place hexagonal tiles of various biomes to create an idyllic landscape, match things up and meet uh, challenges, requirements for mm. the map. It's a nice... This is a very good game. Yes, it's a, it's a nice kind of uh, game that you can just sit and do without, I don't know, w- without planning war against a neighbour or something like that. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's very uh, it's very relaxing, isn't it? It's yeah. quite quite zen, I think. Yeah, I, um, I You can just sit there. Uh, it's, did you say it's on the Switch now as well? Yeah, apparently it's on the Switch as well now. Yeah, it came out on the Switch in September. Oh, yeah, see, that sounds really nice. Dorf What's Romantic. Dorf, D-O-R-F, Romantic with a K. All one word. Okay. I definitely wouldn't have guessed that was the spelling. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned it's Zen because it has it has that soundtrack to it as well. It reminds me of that. Um, there used to be a word processor, um, a, web, a word processing website that you would load. Up, it might have been an app, I can't remember. You would load up and it would just play nice kind of ambient music while you typed with no menus. And it reminds me of that. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what that was called. No, Om, was it Omwriter? 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 Omwriter's I don't think head. I've ever used software like that that has music 
And if there was any, I don't know if I would remember it being pleasant. Yes, it is. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I've, I've just loaded up Omwriter now. And it has the same kind of, yes, it was definitely Omwriter. It has the same sort of a, uh, atmosphere to it, I, I think. A very sort of just gentle, clear, pastely, slightly musical sort of a place. And I got that with Dolph Romantic, so... So that's that. Uh, big button time. Well, incredibly, that's our very first really useful podcast uh, review of the year. So I'm amazed we've got to the end of it and it took more than 10 minutes. So we clearly had a lot to talk about our various suggestions for our categories. I will list them in the show notes with any relevant links that you uh, may want to click on and learn more about them. And a big thank you to uh, Ben Stegner and Gavin Phillips for joining us this week. Uh, I guess all that is left to say is for you to uh, follow us on Twitter, share us uh, wherever you feel it relevant and have a very uh, happy and prosperous 2023 uh, until then it's goodbye from all of us bye bye <laughs> <Bye-bye. laughs>